Richardson. Stopped by Platt. Here's Steve Bold. And it's Adams. Put through by Bold. Would you believe it? That sums it all up. Hello and welcome back to another episode of That Sums It All Up. Hope everyone has had a lovely weekend. We're recording on Monday lunchtime, so after Arsenal's 3-0 draw against West Ham on Sunday afternoon. What a rollercoaster of emotions that was. On the football side of things as well, it was an interesting weekend. There were only four Premier League games, along with four FA Cup course final ties. And of course, Arsenal were one of those sides playing in the league. In any case, all sorts have gone on since we were last on the podcast. Arsenal progressed through to the quarterfinals of the Europa League, having beaten Olympiacos on aggregate. Of course, we didn't beat Olympiacos in the second leg. We lost 1-0 at home, as we tend to do against Olympiacos. Nice and inconsistent against them. Anyway, the, the night was perhaps overshadowed and made all more all right after Tottenham conceded a 2-0 first leg lead against Dinamo Zagreb and lost 3-0, crashing out of the Europa League. They did win 2-0 last night against Aston Villa, so looks like they still might have something to cling on to for the rest of the season. But in any case, great entertainment to see Spurs suffer as they have been recently. London Derby at the London Stadium against fifth place West Ham. As I said, it ended 3-0. Could have been any score, really. Could have been 5-0 to them. Could have been 5-0. We could have won it. 6-5, 4-3, an incredibly enjoyable game for the neutral. And I suspect for many Arsenal fans as well, even though the first half was was pretty horrific viewing. But I think in the end, we can, we can sit back and enjoy the fact that the team managed to come back from three goals down, which is an impressive feat. We, we can't lie. But I think it's a game that demands some serious uh, conversation because there was the good, there was the excellent, there was the bad. And then, as I said, there was the downright terrible. So I think this was probably like the most obvious representation of what Arsenal are at the moment, a team who are capable of playing some excellent football and we can see the positive direction we're going on and then also let ourselves down with just exceedingly frustrating lapses of concentration and just, yeah, look, we'll get onto it. So... As I said, there's plenty to discuss. So to help us side through it all today, we welcome onto the podcast Jamie Osrin, a fellow Gooner and someone who was keen to help us shed some light on the extraordinary proceedings of Sunday afternoon. So welcome to that sums it all up, Jamie. Great to have you on the podcast. So thanks a lot for joining today. How are you? Um, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, no, no. Thanks, thanks for having me on the show, Afi. Big fan of the podcast. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm recovering from yesterday which, as you said, was definitely a roller coaster. I don't think I've shouted at the TV as much for a game as I did yesterday. Um, but that's because of, of the ups and downs that we had. Absolutely. I, I was saying I, I was watching it with one of my mates who's a Manchester United fan. And he, I mean, obviously he was loving the game because it was just, it was end to end by, you know, throughout the second half and Arsenal playing some great football. And also to see my reactions to the goals. I mean, to be fair, I think I've been celebrating, I don't know about you, but celebrating Arsenal goals, it always is a is a good indication of sort of how, not how much you care, because obviously you always care, but how much you believe in the team. Because a lot of the time, more recently over the last season, my goal celebrations have, have maybe not been as intense, but more recently, I mean, those two goals, 
the the second and third goals that we scored yesterday, I was really sort of shouting at the TV with an incensed passion because I expected it. And to see what we did in the first half and then how good we were in the second half was was obviously a relief. It was frustrating. It was excellent to see, but there were so many different like emotions going on in the game yesterday. So just want to like ask you before we sort of go through the game, what are your feelings having sort of, uh, well, digested it uh, overnight? How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's obviously very mixed, um, isn't it? My my feelings on it actually um, different to some Arsenal fans is quite positive. Mm. I think you know the first thirty minutes of the game they dominated us. I think one we were terrible, like we were shocking, and it was disgraceful for sure. But I was also really impressed with the West Ham. I don't know what you think, but the movement. Um, the way they play with each other, they looked a threat every time they came forward. I and mean, we've played some good teams in the past few weeks, like um, Leicester, for example. And I thought West Ham really brought in were, were great. Um, but the thing is, you know, and this is this is what I've been saying to my friends is that, you know, we're, we're a team that has had a lot of these blips where we concede two or three goals in a short space of time. And I reckon a season ago, we, you know, we go three nil down and we're kind of like okay let's let's go out let's win the second half and let's get some dignity back but we wouldn't actually believe that we can go and get the point back but Mm. because of the way we've been playing since Christmas I think the team were thinking hang on a minute we we're in we're in good form we're playing well we can definitely get three goals here and that's what they did they showed not only the mentality and the belief to come back but also the ability and because of that you know we're all we're not at the point yet where we're going to get rid of these blips, we're still going to have these blips, but I reckon as we move forward, those blips will hopefully be ironed out and the 60 minutes of good football has, you know, been the standard. That's, that's what we've come to expect um, the past few months. And that makes me optimistic because I think as we go forward, that 60 minutes will turn into 70 minutes, will turn into 80 minutes. And hopefully eventually it'll be 90 minutes of that type of football. Um, So I, yeah, I I look at it positively. I don't know what you think about it. I'm I'm definitely, I'm definitely of your, of your positive mindset as well. I think also the, the, the fact that, I mean, I feel obviously relieved that we came back and positive about it, but also frustrated because I know that we were more than capable of winning the game. I don't think, you know, maybe six months ago, a year ago, you'd you'd be frustrated at coming back if we, if we had come back three all because we were playing so brilliantly in the second half and the, the sort of, the contrast between the opening half an hour and then the rest of the game pretty much was was so acute that I couldn't, I guess the sense of my frustration is is encouraging for me because I know that I I can see what we are slowly starting to become capable of. And that for me is a really promising sign. And like you say, you know, I remember last season, even though we weren't playing great football, we'd, we'd play all right for, you know, half a half and then there'd be a drinks break and we'd sort of start leveling off. And then we'd be like, oh, thank God Arteta's got a drinks break to sort of, you know, make these players concentrate and, and, and get them going again. And then slowly we started to see like a half of good football, a half of terrible football. And now it looks like it's verging on, you know, towards three quarters of a game when we're playing a bit better or two thirds. So like you say, I'm, I'm positive. Um, but I think in this game, like I said before, this, there's plenty to sort of talk about just within the game, but then also I think we can, we can then extend it to, like you say, where we think we are at the moment, where we can mm. 
get to you know within a year where we might be this time next year after a couple more transfer windows as well because like you say there's so many I think a lot of Arsenal fans can can see the positive signs and look I'm not saying that some Arsenal fans are not within their rights to be fed up and frustrated because when you're playing good football but you're not getting the results and you're 10th in the league then you can't really argue to say that well maybe it should be better but I think plenty of Arsenal fans have have seen this sort of stuff for so long and are willing to give it a bit more time. So before we get into that sort of more overarching conversation, um, let's let's take it back to three o'clock yesterday, or, or rather two o'clock when the starting 11 came out. Um, Callum Chambers came in for Hector Bellerin at right back, which I think may be probably not a massive surprise, which is telling in itself of our right back sort of conundrum at the moment. Pablo Mari came in for, for Gabriel on the left-hand side of the defence, which... I sort of wasn't that surprised about either. Then Lacazette came in, which I was more surprised about, especially given that it meant uh, Pierre Mkabamiang was shifted out to the wide positions. He started on the right, obviously, and then quickly moved over to the left when that didn't work. Saka returned at the expense of Erdegaard, um, and then Pepe and Smith were obviously on the bench. So well, did you have any thoughts about the initial team selection? Um, yeah, I've, I think, to be honest... I like you, the, the right back thing doesn't surprise me. I think we've had a bit of a toss-up in that position. Um, we've been looking at Bellerin, um, Cedric, even Maitland-Niles at the beginning of the season. Mm. And what we kind of found is that none of our right backs really, you know, they're not, none of them are the answer. None of them really um, have everything we, we're looking for in a right back. And the equivalent on the left, are they? Yeah, I was actually going to say, like, T- Kieran Tierney's got everything you want in a fullback. You know, defensively, going forward, the passion, the energy, the pace, the aggression. There's, like, everything you want in a fullback um, is Kieran Tierney, and it's a, obviously a brilliant signing. And I think, you know, in the summer, we'll definitely be looking for a Kieran Tierney equivalent on the right. But at the moment, we don't really have that. I mean, Chambers has a great delivery, but maybe isn't um, fast enough maybe uh, Bellerin doesn't have the delivery you know they, they they don't have all the attributes you want and therefore I think it's completely okay to rotate and see what they bring and Callum Chambers came in and was absolutely terrific which surprised me a lot but mm. he was a man of the match and rightfully so um, so you can't really have any arguments about that in terms of the centre-backs it's interesting because I actually think uh, most teams they have two centre-backs that they kind of stick with and they don't really rotate as much but I think with Arteta he, he feels like he's got Four centre-backs who are relatively similar in standard. I do think Gabriel is the better centre-back, but it's obviously his first season and he's quite young. So I think Arteta's been rotating this back four and hopefully as Arteta's tenure goes on, he will find two centre-backs that he prefers and he sticks with and then we have a bit more consistency. But for the time being, that, that rotation doesn't surprise me and I'm not really bothered by it because they're all capable of putting in good and bad performances, I guess. Um, and then I guess, you know, the rest of the team is pretty much standard other than the whole Aubameyang and Lacazette uh, combination. Mm. Which I, I don't know what you thought about that, but I was surprised um, with both of them starting, considering that a lot of our success since Christmas has been with three creatives behind one of them up front. Mm. Yeah, I think it was interesting. Arteta in his, in his pre-match um, sort of chat with Sky Sports suggested that he wanted to have you know more players who are capable of taking their chances in the box for example so clearly he feels like Lacazette is one of those 
you know, obviously you lose a bit with Aubameyang shifting out wide because he doesn't bring what, for example, Smith Rowe will bring in terms of building the play or Pepe sort of being able to beat people and he's more of a winger. Aubameyang, you know, he he can contribute sort of his threat in behind and and goals, but it didn't it didn't work yesterday. Having said that, you can say that Lacazette starting was was an excellent decision because clearly he felt that Lacazette was suited to this game and he certainly was. I thought he was he was pretty brilliant yesterday. And yeah, apart from that, like you say, I've got no problem with the with the right back sort of uh, rotation. I think you know we saw Chambers start against Burnley and he was was he was excellent that day. Obviously, height wise, maybe similar today. I mean, against West Ham because. You know, they're quite an airily strong team. And mm. Chambers is, is a lot than Cedric, who I think is like, you know, 5'8 or something, and Bellerin. But also his sort of technical assurance on the ball and his delivery, I think, is something that we associate maybe with Bellerin. But actually, I find that his final ball is incredibly inconsistent. Maybe, like you say, I've got no problem with sort of picking and choosing between those three for the rest of the season, dependent on the opponent and the sort of football we want to play. Like you say, I think that will be a target in the summer. I wouldn't be opposed to sort of, you know, saying our goodbyes to Bellerin as much as I like him as a, as a player and as an Arsenal man. But, you know, he's one of those players that could probably command a good fee and he doesn't really, I don't think, do, or he's not very comfortable with what Arteta wants from a right back. Or so it seems, and especially his partnership with, well, with Nicola Pepe, especially, it doesn't seem to work on that right-hand side. But look, I mean, there was a slight rotation in the team, but I think that's that's obviously dependent on the game, but also because we had a game on Thursday night and hectic schedule and you know international break coming up. So I sort of had no problem with the with the changes, and nor should we really have any problems with the changes. And I think it's quite easy to say that oh well. You know, Arteta got his team selection dreadfully wrong, and maybe he he did to some extent, but I don't think that is a is a sort of reason for why we were so dire in the first mm. you know, half an hour, or or unable to cope with West Ham really, because as you think, they, they they were really good and they were direct. I mean, Jesse Lingard was excellent. Antonio was bullying our centre backs. Um, Suchet was getting in nice and close to the box where we know he's a massive threat and Arsenal just looks leggy and switched off and complacent and I think it was a horribly sort of familiar um, opening half an hour which I think Arsenal fans are really quite you know the, 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 there are there are scars there that haven't quite healed from from sort of late Wenger years and you know when we lost 6-0 and all of these heavy defeats where we just heads down and then we can see three or four and it's just horrible to watch. Um, so, yeah, what did you... You said that West Ham started well, and they did. But what were your sort of main observations from the way that Arsenal started for the opening sort of, well, 35 minutes, essentially? Yeah, I guess it's, it's funny that you're saying how it's all too familiar with it, because it seems like all of those um, 20, 30-minute blips merge into one. It's like we've seen it all before. To be honest, it's it's one of those things where I think, you know, we were second to every ball. We looked a bit slow. West Ham looked like they wanted it more. West Ham had better quality. Every time they came forward, they looked like they um, were going to score. And we kind of looked like we were asleep 
and we weren't ready to start the game yet. I mean, we can dissect the, the goals themselves, but I mean, just in terms of overall performance, you can't have any complaints. We probably deserve to be 3-0 down, mm. even if even if one maybe one goal is unlucky or one goal is a keep error. I think overall we just we deserved to be 3-0 down. And it, it's one of those things where we're very familiar with it and we weren't probably that surprised. And and yeah, I think if we dissect the goals, we, we can we can look at that. But yeah, no, no surprises there. Yeah, and I think, look, when you actually look at the three chances that, you know, the, uh, that led to the goals, the first one is, uh, look, you can maybe have complaints about, you know, Lingard sort of being free on the edge of the box, but, you know, he took the ball brilliantly and, and smacked it in top, top bins uh, with, a, with a lovely half volley. So, you know, you can't really complain with that, but I think, you know, the, the whole idea of being switched on and not leaving someone free on the edge of the box, um, you know, is a, is a telling indicator of just not, not being at the races and sort of inviting or, or giving West Ham the opportunity to sort of make the most of, you know, their talent they have going forward. Um, yeah, I mean, the first goal, and I think Arteta alluded to it afterwards, I don't think there was too much wrong with it. But I think by conceding that goal, you and in the manner that we did really early on, as tends to always be the case at the moment, conceding early goals, especially at the weekend after a European game, West Ham, unlike to a couple of other teams we faced recently, thought, well, we've, we've probably got them physically. We're above them in the table. They're fifth. We're confident. We're, you know, we create lots of chances. Let's, let's get them. And then the second goal, you know, I mean, what did you make? Did, did you think we were slightly un- unlucky? Or well, Yeah. So, so, I mean, like, as you said, like the first goal, it, it kind of happens. And Arteta said that, hold the hands up. Very good goal. Um, and... The, the thing about the second goal is, for me, everyone's saying how it's it's just a case of Arsenal being sloppy. But for me, it's a case of three things have to happen for that goal to go in. One is Arsenal have to be very sloppy and turn their backs, which is what happened. Um, but in reality, I I actually think that a lot of teams in that position turn their backs because the, you know, the refs got the spray out. It's a very good free kick opportunity. I think you're 99% of the time, they'll take the free kick like a normal free kick. So... I don't think that in itself was as disgraceful as a lot of Arsenal fans are saying, because I think that actually happens quite a lot in games. But then West Ham, secondly, have to be very switched on and sharp, and they were, credit to them. And lastly, the, the keeper has to make an absolute blunder. Realistically, Leno should catch it, and then we move on with the game and no one really talks about it. But to be honest, all three things happened. Arsenal was sloppy, West Ham was sharp, and Leno made a mistake. And that was the goal. And then once that happened, you're 2-0 down. And we've seen this before. When, when Arsenal are 2-0 down, the heads drop, the confidence goes. Every time the other team goes forward, they actually look like scoring. And that's what happened with West Ham. Mm. And the luck goes against us. And then all of a sudden, the third goal goes in. Sometimes the fourth goal goes in. I was at that um, the Reading away game, that 7-5 amazing game. And you it were, just looked like... You were one of the only guys who stayed, I remember you saying. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's some people maybe wanted to leave after four 0 but no, it's like those games. It just looks like the other team are going to score every single time they get near the box, and that's what happened. And all of a sudden, it was it was three 0 And as Arteta said, the first goal, fair enough, hold your hands up, but you can't allow those two goals to happen. And and the whole team's to blame. Remember, the keeper is part of the team, and if the keeper makes a mistake, that's that's the team making an error in in 
I guess, in some way. So all of a sudden we're 3-0 down. And, and actually kind of frustrated me because of the way we've been playing the past few games. I actually was disappointed. I, I thought we've been making a lot of progress and that going 3-0 down, is that going to, you know, make us take a step back? And are we going to be under more pressure where really I feel like the way we've been playing, I was actually quite optimistic going to this game. So mm. I was just crossing my fingers that we wouldn't allow it to remain like that and that we'd try it and turn it around. And eventually we got that goal uh, before the end of the second half and, and that kind of started um, started the comeback. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I think also I think recently we have been playing better, but you know, the, the, the performances or the sort of positives that we take away from the game have run the risk or have been undermined by a series of sort of terrible individual errors and, you know, passes leading to goals and mistakes and all of that sort of stuff. But I think, you know, it's sort of so bizarre that that keeps happening that, I mean, to be fair, up until a point, I think people were sort of thinking like, well, at least we're not playing terribly and conceding loads of chances. It's just about concentration or making mistakes but then you start thinking well why does this keep happening and you know I think I think it was when Ceballos gave the ball to um, um, the Olympiacos striker in the in the first leg and we managed to turn it around again but that's when I first started I, I started to feel a bit of bit of rage building up inside me because I, I, I couldn't I couldn't get behind the idea of us maybe playing better, but then doing that to ourselves because it's just two polar opposites that don't work. But then this opening half an hour was as much as it was about, I don't know if it was necessarily all about individual mistakes because I think it was more of a collective lack of concentration and as you say, sloppiness and, you know, first goal, as you say, no problem with it really. Second goal, look, as you say, all those things need to happen. And more often than not, if a free kick's taken quickly, I've seen so many times when it gets pulled back, you know, and you have to retake it because the, the ref hasn't drawn the line or whatever. So I think maybe we're unlucky in terms of we were punished for those particular things coming together. But like you say, I mean, even if the, the ball got a slight deflection, I, I really had an issue with Leno sort of after that goal went in and I... Some people were saying that maybe it was harsh because it was a deflection and what else could he have done? But I think you, you you can make a save there. I think it's a really soft goal to concede. And having watched that and then thinking about Leno over the last couple of weeks, and look, I think he's a good keeper, but you know, it's so important for a keeper to sort of um, release or establish some confidence for his back line and for the rest of the team. It's, it's, it's what his job is to, to make saves and everything, but to be confident with the ball at your feet and make the saves and, you know, just really exude some confidence. And I actually think recently Leno has been doing the opposite because he's been giving the ball to players in uncomfortable positions, whether that's because he's been instructed to or not. But I think you can definitely say he's at fault at points. And then that happens. And it's like, you've gone one nil down and yes, the players have switched off. Even he was switched off. He was like sort of back to goal, walking back to the goal. And then, you know, he sort of lets in a soft goal. And I'm just thinking like, you want your keeper at that point to be the sort of guy you can fall back on the last line of defence when no one is concentrating and he sort of pulls you out of jail. And maybe Leno's done that plenty of times for us. And I'm sort of slightly biased at the moment just because I feel like there's been a few things recently that have been building up. But I really 
I really dislike the manner in which Leno sort of feebly let that goal through at his near post. Um, and then, like you say, the third goal, I mean, Tierney, he, to be fair, look, you can't blame him. I think he was, he, he gave it his all yesterday, but he was looking quite tired a lot of the time. Aubameyang was sloppy, sort of gave the ball away or Tierney gave it away. I can't quite remember. And then, you know, our David Luiz again played a lot of minutes recently, was caught flat-footed. Um, and, you know, the header from Antonio went in. And I just thought at that point, I was I was sort of like, right, well, this is one of those days that we've seen far too often in recent times. Um, and I was angry. I was really, like, really pissed off. Excuse me, <laughs> French. But I couldn't, like you say, the contrast between seeing us play well and then seeing this, and it, you know, in so many ways, it could completely undermine all the good things that have come before it. So... I don't know about you, but I think a lot of Arsenal fans were were mightily just really irate at that point. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I think Arsenal fans have every right to be to be angry. Um, the one thing I would say is that you know you were, you were talking earlier how you know the, the manner in which we conceded these three goals is actually slightly different to how we've been conceding goals in the past few months. What's been happening is in the past few months we've been shooting ourselves in the foot. And, you know, I, I think there's an argument to say that more often than not, we've been the better team in a match. But because of either we don't take our chances or because we shoot ourselves in the foot and give away an error, we've not been getting the results. This was completely different. This was us getting completely outplayed for half an hour. Probably the worst half an hour we've had in a long, long time. Mm. And Arsenal has every right to be angry about it. Um, and it's... It's just one of those things where you hope that the players learn from it and it doesn't happen again. When you start a game, it's so important to start the game well. Mm. Um, and we just didn't. So, look, it, it was it was bad. And what you said about Leno, I kind of agree with you. He, you know, I'm a big Leno fan. A lot of, you know, my, my flatmates give me a lot of stick about the whole Martinelli and Leno competition and stuff. But I always say that Leno, you know, since he's come to Arsenal, on average, has been a very good keeper. He's probably been our best keeper since maybe Lehman. I don't know if that's a big claim, but he's been quite consistent on average. Yeah. And it, it's just one of those things where I agree with you, where the past few weeks, you know, a few passes to players that have given the ball away. It's probably not just confident, confidence back a bit. And I don't think he's been as sharp and as confident. So hopefully, hopefully he can fix that and get back to the form that he has been in. Because for me, I think Leno is a very good keeper, a keeper capable of being in a team um, to take us back to where we want to be. I don't think we should be looking for a new keeper anytime soon. So I just hope he can get over that and and put in the performances that we we know he can put in. But yeah, I, I agree with you in, in that sense. Yeah, and I think just before we get on to a bit more of a enjoyable, lighthearted discussion, because when Arsenal started to, well, they turned up, albeit slightly yeah. late. Um, which is ironic. I saw all, all over Twitter yesterday, you know, the whole thing about Aubameyang turning up late and then a lot of people were tweeting, oh, well, you know, the, Ars uh, the Ar whole Arsenal squad going to get dropped because they turned up about half an hour late against West Ham. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you say, you know, there was no, we just was, were not proactive. We sort of turned up, probably presumed that we could get through the first half an hour, sort of build ourselves into the game and, Absolutely not. We were we were shown that we could be exploited, and like you say, hopefully 
we can learn from this sort of experience. And well, I mean, the response would suggest that we, you know, we were, we were good enough and wise enough to find a way through even before our halftime, you know, team talk and where maybe Arteta bollocked them completely or, or, you know, sorted them out, set them straight. There were signs straight away after going three nil down that we were improving and Lacazette, well, it was a known goal in the end, but Lacazette sort of got the goal from a, I mean, all three goals actually were quite similar in the sense that they, did they all come, they all came down the right-hand side, which is, which is very different actually to normally because we're so potent down the left normally and all of it comes down there. But I think Erdegaard yesterday, who was sensational, I thought um, unbelievable. I think one of the best individual performances I've seen from an Arsenal player in a while. Um, but, you know, it was always him getting the ball on the right and then playing in Chambers twice and then Pepe for the sort of secondary assist. And then the ball was hooked across um, really accurately. And that's what happened in the for the first goal. Chambers sort of got down the right. Some lovely play from Erdegaard and Lacazette sort of killed it and slightly fortunate with the with the deflection. But I think it was a clean enough strike and that's what you want him to do, sort of shoot because he doesn't tend to do that too much at the moment so that was 3-1 um and at that point you know and then we had a Saka chance as well before half time which was I think he could have done better um but then we go into half time what do you think Arteta says to them at, at, at half time because we're 3-1 down we've we've got a goal back and we'd also created one maybe two openings even before half time to suggest that we were definitely still in the game. I mean, I was thinking at that point, there's no excuses. I'm, I'm, we're not losing this game because we're, we're good enough. Um, what do you think Arteta was, was saying to them and, and what were you feeling at halftime? Yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, we don't, we don't, we don't have an insight into the, the dressing room, but I have a sense that Arteta's not the manager to dwell on that the first 30 minutes. I don't think he's going to talk about that. I think he's going to focus on the past 10 minutes and say, look, we scored a goal. Um, and it was a, it was a good goal. I know it was a deflection, but the build-up play was good. Lacazette's touch was great. He's always sharp in the box, and we got the goal. And to be honest, the Saka chance, I think he should have scored it. I think the Saka chance was better than a lot of West Ham's chances, and West Ham took their chances, and Saka didn't take his. I think Artes is going to say, look, forget about the first half an hour. Past 10 minutes, we should have scored two goals. It should be 3-2. Just keep playing like that. Keep creating chances. We'll get back in the game. And I think that showed because... As soon as the second half began, we had that chance with Lacazette where he almost scored, um, which could have made it 3-2, yeah. um, mm. which was a, a really good chance. So I, I, I think Arteta believes in this team. I think he does trust the team. I think he'll save the bollocking for Monday morning, for this morning. Mm. And they definitely deserve a bollocking for sure. Yeah. Um, and they will get it. They will get it. But I think like, I, on the actual game, I think he was thinking, you know, guys, we need to get the first goal. That's important because if West Ham got the first goal and made it 4-1, make no mistake, that's game over. We're not going to get the comeback going again. Mm. It was essential for us to get the, the, the first goal off in the second half. And it was important for us to get it, you know, relatively early. I don't know what minute we scored. It was like, what, like 60 minutes uh, or something like that? The 60th minute, I'm pretty sure. Um, so it was a good time to get the goal. But yeah, early in the the first half uh, in the second half was was important and like you say you know that there was a Lacazette chance where I mean Chambers again played a lovely ball through I think yeah. at the end of his foot lovely and he, he is really good technically we're going to get on to Chambers because I think his 
individual performance merits a sort of a few words. <laughs> Lacazette again, maybe. I mean, it was a it was a really good attempt and it was sort of cleared off the line. But you know, I think if he goes down at that point, it's probably a penalty because there was contact. But you know, that's sort of in hindsight and hypothetical, so no problems really with that. But yeah, like you say, it was important that we got that that early goal to make it three two, and we did. It was again, it was a it was an Erdegaard sort of dictating the pace of things. And then slipping through Chambers, who put in a really tasty cross from the right. Um, Abamyang was sort of waiting for a tap-in. I mean, given how he was performing yesterday, I wonder if he would have stuck that in the back <laughs> or not. But my, uh, Craig Dawson sort of did the job for him and, and scored his second own goal in, in two weeks, which was which was reassuring. But I was I was well and up, well and truly up for it at that point, um, and I loved. I mean, those players were sort of combining. Erdegaard and and Chambers on the right hand side, who I think, along with Lacazette, were maybe our standout performers uh, yesterday. What did you think of of Callum Chambers? We spoke about him earlier in the game, but he, I thought he was excellent yesterday. I thought he was really really good. Yeah, no, I, I thought he was, I thought he was absolutely terrific. I think uh, just before I before I get on Chambers, I just want to say something because you mentioned the Odegaard thing. Mm. how he kind of like pre-assisted all three goals. And I think the, the special thing about Odegaard and what makes him like Ozil-like is for that second goal when he's passing it to Chambers before Chambers puts in that brilliant ball, he knows that he's going to play that ball to Chambers. As soon as he gets the ball, he knows he's playing that ball, but he waits and he waits and he waits. He waits for the other defenders to turn turn their back because he's going to play it to the left. And then all of a sudden he plays that, that, that ball inside and it, you know, it really creates a great chance. And then onto Chambers. I mean, look, Chambers... Technically, I feel like Arsenal fans have always known that he he's good on the ball. You know, he 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 scored a few like interesting goals. I remember he scored that goal with the outside of his boot at one time. It was a really good goal. Um, so technically, he's he's been very good, and clearly he can put in a great cross um, at right back. If if Odegaard can find him in those positions, then then that could be a really great way to score goals and I you know I don't really think he deserves to be dropped because I think he deserves to have a, a run of games in I, you know although I think Cedric's been very good I don't think we have a right back who's so good that warrants a starting lineup no matter what so I'll be interested to see how Chambers uh, performs in the next few games if he gets the chance if he's gonna maintain that level obviously you worry about his pace and obviously his, his injury um, history but there's no doubt that when he's got the ball in the right place, he can put in a ball. There's no doubt that he's got the height, which helps the defence. And, uh, you know, yeah, fair play to him because I don't think everyone expected that. I mean, what do you think of, of his performance? Yeah, I, I really, really liked it. Like you say, I was slightly... It's always a bit of a concern. And maybe it's just because of that game against Swansea way back when against Jackson. <laughs> Montero, yeah, Montero, Yeah. <laughs> His uh, right back career was was well and truly sort of uh, finished, but I think maybe we sort of place too much emphasis on that game because you know he's had plenty of injuries, but you know he was signed as a as a right back from Southampton as a technically assured, exciting young prospect who you know could you know he's played centre back for Fulham, he played or central defensive mid for Fulham, uh, player of the, player of the year for them when they were in the Premier League and got relegated. He played for Middlesbrough centre back. He was also I think you know, a really stand-up performer for them. Prior to 
just our, I think it was the first game of Arteta's management. Chambers did his ACL, but prior to that, he'd been one of our more consistent defenders. I think his technical security on the ball um, was really important. And like you say, he he yeah, he looks like he he can really link up with these players, and especially Erdegaard, who predominantly sort of occupies that right half space, which I think we've we've been lacking for so long down that right hand side. We've sort of been relying on you know the left hand side and the, the sort of direct. Uh, clinical nature of Tierney and Abamyang, and whether it's Pepe or, or um, Saka down there as well, but yeah, that 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 Erdegaard pass I love because, like you say, he he come he knows that he's passing it to Chambers, but he he continues his run inside and then sort of pulls back, yeah, pulls the ball back to Chambers, who almost looks as if he's sort of given up and, and stops his run, but then he 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 reacts and puts puts a lovely ball into the box. But I think those two working together in tandem is is a really promising thing in terms of the combination down the right because we've we've been sorely missing that um I, I i completely agree but you know it's, it's it's a shame because i mean i could be wrong um and chambers could kick on and, and become the unbelievable first of the season but i imagine that chambers is not the answer for us to right back in the long term i think at the moment we've got three right backs and i think it's pretty clear that we're going to look for a right back in the summer so maybe it's a case of figuring out which one we want to be our second choice right back mm-hmm. and maybe trying to shift on the other two and, and get as much money for them as possible. So, look, I I don't know how much we could potentially shift Chambers on for. Maybe the injuries don't help. But I think there's no harm in in seeing how far he can go, how 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 good he can get. And to be honest, I, you know, I see a shifting on Bellerin, but maybe Chambers can make a claim to be that second choice right back rather than Cedric. I, I don't know, but we'll have to see. Um yeah, and, in this yeah, and look, Cedric's shown himself. I think we'll sign a left back as well because we need a a direct replacement for Tierney. He can't do it all on his own, and Cedric sort of stepped in valiantly, did a good job. So I think he's he's a good utility sort of experienced option. Chambers as well. You know, he can play right back. He's shown he can play centre back before. He's obviously played in midfield, so again, he's quite versatile. I do think you know, there's no bad thing sort of picking and choosing between these right backs for the rent until the end of the season because like you say all of them are sort of yet to wholly convince and it is likely that one or if not two will sort of be moved on this summer with a replacement coming in um but i've got no problem and if that's chambers you know so be it i don't know if he's he's uh gonna have the chances to get consistent enough to reach his potential at arsenal but you know there's definitely interest from from clubs in the premier league um sort of further down there I think if he if he has a few more performances like he did yesterday, then why wouldn't sort of teams in the Premier League or elsewhere be looking at him as a as a player who plays at right back or wherever because he's clearly a, a good, good technical player who can yeah contribute to a team like Arsenal and sort of link up with players and cross the ball and he's and he's got good physical sort of uh, physical profile as well which is great against a team like West Ham or Burnley, for example. Um, but yeah, very, very promising from him and Erdegaard as well, who I really sort of hope we can find a way to try and engineer a permanent deal because he, he has come into this team and really made us click in a way that I don't think many people anticipated, but he, he's getting better and better by, by each game. I mean, even his hand in all three of our goals, you know, was, was easy to see. I mean, when we got the equaliser, he sort of played the ball through to Pepe 
um, who plucked out a really good cross from, with his right foot, which I think, you know, probably the West Ham defender wasn't expecting because we never see it from Pepe and, and, and Lacazette uh, sort of thumped it home from close range with his head. Um, I mean, let's just talk about Erdegaard really quickly then and sort of his, his yeah, his, his really impressive form because he's basically been, you know, you think back to the North London derby, you think back to the goal he scored, I mean, in that game and then the, uh, the Olympiacos game, and again, in this West Ham game, he's sort of been our... And when he came on, even in the second leg of Olympiacos, he should have, you know, laid on two goals if it weren't for some wayward finishing. So he has been really quite productive in terms of an attacking output sense, but also our best player, really, over the last month. Yeah, look, I mean, it, you know, in, in the summer transfer window at the beginning of the year, we all knew that we needed a centre mid and we all needed we all knew, knew we needed a cam as well, but we could only really afford one and we went for party. And I, I don't really have any complaints because I think party is a terrific player, but we were definitely missing that camp for the beginning of the season. And whilst Smith Rowe came in and had a, you know, a run of really good games, and whilst I think Smith Rowe is, is a fantastic player, we can't have all of the burden on such an important position on one player. So look, we, we, we signed Odegaard um, on loan and, He's exceeded my expectations with how quickly he's he's adapted to the Premier League. I actually felt a bit bad from thinking that a six-month loan spell wouldn't be enough for him to showcase his talents. But he's shown that he's a terrific player and exactly what we need because, I mean, you know, it's obviously quite soon, but the way he plays is very similar to a Meza Ozil, but seems more suited to the Premier League. You know, better mm-hmm. at uh, tracking back, more physical, has a better shot on him, can hit it with the laces more. Maybe Ozil... Um, you know, wouldn't shoot from outside the box a lot. And also, this is this is something which is, uh, it depends what type of fan you are, but Odegaard celebrates, celebra- uh, celebrates goals more than anyone. And I love to see that. So he seems like a great player. And I think for sure, Arsenal definitely want to make it a permanent deal, it looks like. I wouldn't be surprised if Odegaard and his camp wanted to make it a permanent deal. But we'll have to see in the summer what Madrid think, because that was always the issue. It's like, we want Odegaard to succeed, but... Not too much because if he's too good, then Real Madrid are going to keep on to him. All the price tags are going to go up, going to go up. So, look, I think most Arsenal fans want to see it, if he continues this form, see it made permanent. But there's a lot of factors at play, and we'll have to see what happens at the end of the season. Yeah, I think there's there's plenty of factors. You know, it's what the player wants, and like you say, I'm I'm sure he feels very comfortable at Arsenal and and enjoys the, you know, how well things have been going for him. But Real Madrid, will they sort of? They're definitely going to be looking to slowly and but surely starting to rebuild because their their squad needs a a bit of a refresh. And they've got Erdegaard, who you know won't be leaving on the cheap unless Zidane sort of stays stays as manager and doesn't fancy him at that point. Maybe they sell him to generate some some money for other investments. But you know he's he's still got like a three hundred and fifty million euro release clause. Apparently, the president really likes him, so. Yeah, it's all got to come together. But like you say, he he is a really he's is that technical player that we've been crying out for, and he is Özil esque. But he has an intensity that is suited to the Premier League. He he presses, he he runs hard, he as well as sort of doing the things that you know Özil or or that sort of creative player do does. Um, but he. <laughs> He, yeah, the ball control, his precision of passing, his 
everything at the moment is really, really refreshing to see because I think we've really been missing a player like that. And we didn't really have it with Ozil for the last, you know, couple of years. And we had, well, Ramsey wasn't quite that player, but I think, you know, those those sorts of players we we really missed for a long period of time. So it's great to see a January loan signing sort of come off like that and credit to him because he was barely playing any football and to adjust to the Premier League, it must really show that he wants it and he believes in himself and he's got a really sort of healthy, grounded approach to his work because it's not easy coming into, you know, the Premier League to an Arsenal team who is also so sort of inconsistent and (laughs) we've seen players come in and not really be able to adapt very easily, but he is, he's, he's taken the keys and he's, you know, arguably the player driving us forward. And I think also, um, just before we get on to sort of take the, the bigger sort of takeaways from the game, seeing the, the combination between Thomas Partey, who I thought struggled in the first half an hour, like everyone else, but grew into the game. And I still don't think he's a hundred percent fit. I still worry that every time he sprints, he's going to pull up. And I think that will come, but you know, he was making all sorts of ball recoveries. I loved his sort of passing forward between the lines into Erdegaard more often than not, but always looking forward, precise passing. And I think that that partnership of of Partey at the in the midfield and then passing it through to Erdegaard again, sort of increasing the way that the team is connected is something that's really important and and promising for the rest of the season as well. But I mean when, when when we went three all, I mean, what were your feelings at that point? And for the rest of the game, were you, yeah, what were you expecting for the rest of the game? And how did you feel when it when it finally sort of the final whistle went and it was three all? Well, it was actually it was funny because um, like my flatmates like they like to take the piss out of me with Arsenal quite a lot, and they like they like me seeing they like seeing me get quite angry um, and think it's quite funny. So when we were actually when it was three one at half time, they made the prediction that we were going to come back. Get, get it to 3-3 and then West Ham were going to score in the last minute from a David Luiz mistake and you know so part of me was actually fear, fearing the worst with that um, and it really could have gone either way but I think you know whether we scored the winner or whether they, they scored the winner I was just quite happy that we'd managed to get it back firstly that we didn't embarrass ourselves because I would have bloody hated it if West Ham embarrassed us um as I said if the game went on for a bit longer I think we would have I think we would have won the game Mm. and I actually think it's quite funny because I think the the game is sort of it's reminiscent of our season and a lot of people have been saying it's reminiscent because it's got like the two faces of Arsenal but I think it's actually more specific than that I think you know our season the first third of the season we were atrocious and then since then it's been getting better Mm. and I think if if the season was a little bit longer, I think because of our form, I think we'd have a good chance of getting into that top six and maybe even the top four, but probably the damage was done in the first bit of the season and we can't quite recover it. And that was the same with um, with yesterday. The damage was done. We just couldn't quite get that win. If getting the, the fourth goal for us is like getting into the Champions League, it's just it just wasn't quite meant to be. And we shot ourselves in the foot a bit too much in that first half an hour. So the way I thought was definitely... Before the game, it would have been a two points dropped. But looking at the game, it's going to be a point gained, especially considering that West Ham have been a better team than us this season. It's not like we're losing to inferior opposition. Um, and as long as we learn, as long as we learn from that mistake, and as long as we do see those those errors and those blips cut out, then it'll, these results are fine. Of course, if they continue to happen, then it's just not 
really good enough. Um, but for now, I'm I'm kind of satisfied. And we move on to the next game, and hopefully we can kick on and and show what we've been showing in the past few months rather than what we showed in the first bit of the West Ham game. But I completely understand Arsenal fans that are a bit more um, worried about about the half an hour because it probably can just happen again in, in a week or two. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, you, like you say, again, I think we're agreeing on a lot of these things. Arsenal, I mean, since... Since Christmas, they're I think fourth in in the form table, which is is promising because since then we've we've performed well. We're we're attacking well. We're defending better. Having said that, also since you know that that point at Christmas, we've had plenty like two or three, four games where we've individual errors have cost us points. And again, it's 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 well, where could we be? if we didn't have these mistakes and I'd like to think over time with, with different players and, and sort of continuing the same types of training and, and input from Arteta, these things will slowly evolve and will evolve away from being a team who makes these mistakes, but is more of a team who are sort of defined by their strengths. And I think we are still hamstrung by our weaknesses too much at the moment. And that was shown in this game. I think it was a really good comparison, our sort of season and, and this game, because we gave ourselves too much to do ultimately. And if if there was more time, then maybe we would have gone on to win the game. And if there was more time in the season, then maybe we would go on to sort of make up more ground. But it's telling that, you know, this West Ham team are a side above us who we needed to beat on the day. And we couldn't, we were, we, we were unable to sort of get past our own weaknesses, which, yeah. you know, weaknesses are holding us back and that's that's the borderline between being a an average team who are good on their day and then being a consistently good t- team and we're not there yet and I'm sort of okay with that as frustrating as it is and I do worry about our prospects in the Europa League because we sort of got away with it really even though we've been the better team against Olympiacos and Benfica our deficiencies have almost thrown the tyres for us and Look, it doesn't look to be changing, really. So I think even if it's Slavia Prague on paper, it's a good draw and, and whoever afterwards, it would be devastating to see us not win the Europa League, which I think, you know, that's a lot of pressure to put on, this, on the side, but maybe that's sort of uh, where the club is at the moment. We know we're capable of it and we can see where this team is going, but we're not quite past our weaknesses at the moment. So, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's the thing where the Europa League... Um, you know, we're very capable of winning it, but we have absolutely no right to do it. It's it, We have to be at our very best to win that trophy. And winning the trophy will be a massive achievement. I mean, imagine Arteta, season and a half, winning two trophies and gets us back in the Champions League. I mean, it's almost like too good to be true. So it, it, it really would be an incredible achievement. We have absolutely no right to win it. But if we play our game, if we don't make errors, if we take our chances, which is a massive ask, obviously, because that's literally what we don't do. But if that happens, then we have just as good a chance as anyone. And if not, if we if we play like we have against Benfica and Olympiacos, we, we won't win it because Benfica was just... It, it was obviously just a lot of emotions, but it just wasn't quite good enough to win a Europa League. And then with Olympiacos, you can't only play well in the one leg. We got away with it with Olympiacos, but 
you know, they're better size than Olympiacos left in this competition. So, look, fingers crossed, but we're going to have to up the level. And I think that's what that's probably why a lot of Arsenal fans are concerned about the West Ham game because there's so much on the line with the Europa League that we need to, we can't afford to have these, these blips. And um, hopefully we don't have them in the Europa League. We'll have to see. This is the thing because we are, as you say, capable of... Uh capable of winning the Europa League but it would you know the, the the sort of consequence of that or not consequence the benefit of that would be Champions League football and that would be so surreal and I think we'd be so ahead of the curve because <laughs> we don't we're not a cha- we're not good enough to be we're not consistent enough is the probably the key word not consistently good enough to to qualify for the Champions League via the Premier League and then as we Arsenal have been a cup team over the last few years uh capable of sort of putting performances together when it matters but I think we're on that verge of sort of transitioning maybe away from being a cup team and becoming a more consistent team but are still sort of limited by by the errors so I am worried for the Europa League because I like the game yesterday I was not willing to accept defeat yesterday even going 3-0 down when we got that first goal back and I'm not willing to accept defeat really in the Europa League but I worry that my my sort of, uh, I overestimate or get carried away maybe with our strengths and the and the progress I see sort of, and then forgetting or not willing to put as much emphasis on our capacity to be a really terrible team. And we're still at that point. So I think maybe the expectations of the rest of the season are, are more difficult to assess because <laughs> we're just a team of, of two faces as, as everyone's been saying and Arteta said after the game but look just before we wrap up for today I think the the signs are promising because we can see the way that we want to play offensively we're we're more connected which I think was such a big issue for for the first half of this season and even towards the back end of last season we are creating all sorts of good chances and openings the pattern sort of attacking players is not too uh, rigid at the moment we're we're relying for creative uh freedom the players are looking like they're they're performing together they know that they can rely on the system but then also use their sort of individual talent to to you know create goals and score goals and i think we can see the way that it's developing and it's really promising but on the flip side the the uh continued carelessness the recklessness the fragility when our heads drop it's it's a real really horrible thing to witness as an Arsenal fan, especially as an Arsenal fan like me and you who are seeing these, these positive signs. I think it's really difficult to balance or sort of know what to, yeah, what to expect or, or what we should expect as fans from a team who are so capable on, on the one hand and so incapable on the other. Um, but where does this leave us as a team for you for the rest of the season? Because like at the end of the day, results are the most important thing. So and we've seen that this team are incapable of, of being consistent enough to get the results we require to hit our targets this season. Are we going to rise up the table and finish in the Europe, European places? I don't know. I mean, you should beat West Ham for that because they're above us. But we've got Liverpool, we've got Everton as well, who are above us in the league. And then we've got our next four in the Premier League, I think, are Liverpool. And then we've got Sheffield United, Fulham and then Everton. So four games that... Again, Liverpool and Everton are above us, so we should be looking to to beat them if we want to climb the table. And then we've got the Slavia Prague game. I mean, yeah, where does that leave us for you? It's tough because I think 
it's a massive ask for us to uh, it's a massive ask for us to get into those European spots at the moment based on the way that the results are going um as I said like I'm I'm happy that the performances are getting better but the results the results are still not quite good enough to break into that those European spots so you know I wouldn't be surprised if we don't make that um, those European spots and I also wouldn't be surprised if we don't quite win the Europa League so it's a tough one because us without European football next season, you could see it as a bit of a disaster. But I think with us, we just have to admit where we are as a team and, and, and understand that it's a process. For me, for the rest of the season, as long as I see progress, as long as I see that the players are on board with the project and playing for the manager, then it's it's like it is what it is. Um, I'm not expecting us. I'm not expecting us to get into those European spots. I'm not expecting us to win the Europa League. That Those would be a bonus for me. Mm. But... I, I still think, you know, I, I think with our team, there are so many positions that need to be improved. I mean, we can improve uh, with a new centre-back, a new right-back, a new centre-mid, a new cam, a new winger. Like, there's so many positions that we need to look at. And we can't, we can't do all this transfer window. It's going to take at least two transfer windows to get the players that we want in. So, honestly, I just want to see some progress. I want to see us make the right signings in the summer. And this time next season, we cannot be in the position where we're at. We have to be. We have to be in and around that that top four, or at least at least challenging. And we have to see significant improvement. But I feel like as fans, we just need to be realistic. We need to just admit that we are at the moment not in the top six. We're not at the top six best sides in the league. We don't deserve to be there. Mm. And if we admit that to ourselves, as sad as it is, then it's it's better for the team because it's better for us to give the manager time to get rid of the bad players, to bring in his own players, to keep putting his philosophy forward. And it's painful and it's upsetting. But as long as I see progress, then I'm happy because I know that this is a long-term project and we can't take shortcuts here. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. And I think we all knew what we signed up for with Arteta. It's a long-term rebuild. We were so in the at the rock bottom before he came. And... If you would, I think almost winning the FA Cup and and the Community Shield and all of that sort of stuff, maybe we got ahead of ourselves because we weren't necessarily playing good football at that point. We were very much playing sort of to defend against the strengths of the opposition and sort of relying on Aubameyang's individual brilliance. But if a lot of play, a lot of people were saying at that point, I'd rather see the team play good football and not get the results to show that we're progressing, and that's sort of what's happening now. And it is a look. We can we can map it out from you know a year and a half of football under Arteta. We can see the sort of ways that the football's evolved and changes that have been made. The the per- the terrible period we went through at the beginning of this season, which I think was important to go through because again, it's sort of admitting well, this is how bad it can get. So we're not we're not able to sort of just you know do just stay above the line and sort of get away with it and and try and cling on to our you know, status as a European Champions League club because we haven't been and we're not and we haven't been for the last, you know, four or five years now. So I'm so willing to give it a bit more time to then hopefully by this point next year, we'll be talking and saying, well, yeah, we expect to, we've been consistent enough to to get into these European places and we haven't given ourselves too much to do. We've got the players in from the beginning of the season. We know the system, we know what we are because I think for so long we don't we haven't known what we are we've sort of been relying on you know what we previously were and and 
that has been really damaging, I think, from a football point of view, but also off the pitch because we've made such terrible investments of 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 all sorts. And it's a it's a cleanup job, but it's a you know it's a cleanup job that then has to simultaneously be a well, let's get better and get immediate results and qualify for the Champions League job. So, you know, on top of COVID and getting rid of all these players, you know, there's so much work that has been done and still needs to be done. So as long as I see us playing good football and the players getting behind it and improving on a collective basis and signings paying off, which, you know, for the most part, they have been under Arteta, bar maybe a couple, but, you know, we don't dwell on those. I'm willing to give it time and I feel positive about Arsenal under Arteta and, yeah, you know, qualifying for Europe via the league places or via the Europa League would be would be probably yeah a bonus because I don't think we deserve it. We've given us given ourselves too much to do, but that's what makes it exciting because I think we're still capable of doing it. And I think that's what got to me yesterday when we got those few goals back. I was like, right, we played probably our best second half of attacking football yesterday in a game that also was arguably the worst half of football that we've ever played this season. So. It is just too inconsistent to be to be good enough. So, do you have any any final uh, reflections on 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 sort of well anything we've talked about before we wrap up for today? Because I think we've had a great discussion on sort of the game and where the where the team is at, and yeah, our sort of positive feelings about the progress that is being made slowly. Yeah, no, I think we've we've had a good discussion um, about it, and to be honest, like I expect things to sort of stay as they are at the moment. If we can go on an incredible run, either in the league or the Europa League, that's going to be amazing. As I said, like if Arteta can win the Europa League, it will be an unbelievable start as a manager. So it is exciting. It's something to look forward to. And as an Arsenal fan, it's all about the hope, the hope that kills you. Um, So I will be very hopeful that um, we can change our fortunes. But if not, look, we support the club no matter where we're finishing and hopefully um, we can get up the table um, eventually. So no, but other than that, I think, yeah, thanks for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure. Hey, it's been, it's been absolutely great. And yeah, let's just before we wrap up. Um, yeah, it was great to have you on the podcast for the first time. Um, appreciate your time a lot. And hopefully at some point you can join us again. And I mean, who knows, maybe this time next year, you'll be back on and we'll be talking about using this podcast as a benchmark to say, oh, well, this is this is where we should be now. Um, so, yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot, Jamie. Um, much appreciated. Yeah, thank you. No, I'd love to. I'd love to come on again and hopefully um, I'll see you in person soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be great. Um, but look, a quick reminder to everyone who's listening. You can find all the episodes of That Sums It All Up on my Mixcloud page. You can also access all the shows via my Twitter at AlfieSteiner1. There's a fat international break now, so it's going to be a bit weird to see no football on. Well, football on, but not anything that I'm particularly interested in. So we'll be back on the podcast in around the Liverpool game, which is in a couple of weeks now. But until then, as always, thanks for listening. Enjoy your week. And until next time, take care and goodbye. That sums it all.